a lot of women, they knew the why behind it. If they're like, oh, oh, that's why. Oh, and if I switch that one thing, my cramps will get better. Like, oh, if I do this thing, maybe my breast tenderness will improve. I'm like, yes, yes, that's, and here's why. And then it, that sort of became my driving passion. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Do you find yourself waking up some mornings feeling like you absolutely did not get enough sleep and you are far from feeling well-rested and far from feeling like you're ready to tackle the day with boundless energy? Now, maybe it's a couple times a week where you find yourself dragging yourself out of bed in hopes that the shower is going to wake you up a whole lot more in order to handle the many to-dos on your list. Now, this was me 10 years ago. And honestly, if I'm speaking candidly, it was me during my first trimester of pregnancy back in March through May. So it's definitely more fresh on my mind. And there is nothing worse than waking up and feeling worried and discouraged that you don't have enough energy to get through a solid 10 to 12 hour day because real talk, most days are that long. Now, with all of that, have you ever stopped to wonder why? Why is it that our energy is in the crapper at the first start of our morning before we've done anything at all? Now, there are two big factors at play, especially in the morning. The first one is inefficient mitochondrial function. Now, these cellular powerhouses that make literally all the energy in your body for your cells to function, your brain to function, your heart to function, for you to even open your eyes in the morning. If they aren't being efficient and they aren't making enough energy, either because they're damaged or simply there's just not enough of them, then we are going to feel it. Now, the second, because I did say there are two big factors, is actually tied to the first because mitochondria is responsible for helping to make the hormone cortisol. So number two is the hormone cortisol. Now, I talk a lot about this hormone. It has been showcased over and over again on this podcast. I know cortisol has been the bane of my existence over the years. And it's important that we dive into this hormone again today. Now, what we know about cortisol, what you probably know about cortisol is that it's the survival hormone. I call it the stranger danger hormone, the fight or flight hormone, but it also plays a lot of massive roles. It's one of the biggest universal hormones inside of the entire body. So it's regulating our immune system. It's regulating our blood sugar levels. And just to kind of give you a sense of like regulating the immune system. Have you ever been like sick with a cold and you wake up in the morning and you feel like a Mack truck hit you. But once you kind of get up, that's that cortisol awakening response, kind of kicks in. That cortisol suppresses the crappy feeling, suppresses the tired feeling, but also upregulates the immune system. And you start to kind of feel a little bit better throughout the day, even if you're dealing with a cold. But then at nighttime, when you get home and everything starts to slow down, cortisol levels start to drop, as you're gonna hear later on in this interview, 
your immune system begins to drop as well, and you start to feel pretty crappy again before going to bed. That has everything to do with cortisol and how cortisol works in the system. The other job, the other really critical job, probably the most important job that cortisol does that we rarely talk about is that it helps to regulate blood sugar levels. And so that's why that when we're stressed, super stressed, especially a perceived stressor, like our boss is yelling at us, or we get this crazy text message, or we for, we're late to a meeting and we're stuck in traffic, all of these crazy perceived stresses that are very real, but your body is perceiving them like you literally are getting chased by a stranger or a tiger, those perceived stresses can actually increase insulin levels and create insulin resistance, which can lead to type 2 diabetes and all kinds of other things, inflammation in the body. So cortisol is doing a lot of things. It's wearing a lot of hats. It's a big time multitasker. But what's super crazy also about cortisol is that it helps you wake up in the morning through what we call the cortisol awakening response. So going from like sleep state to alert state, that is literally cortisol. And it happens every single morning. Now, if for some reason, if cortisol is imbalanced, and there's a lot of reasons why that is, stress, endless to-do lists, over-exercising, working late nights, or even struggling with chronic pain and toxins, the body is thrown off and it completely throws off cortisol levels, which we need at like a really high level, plentiful level, to wake us up in the morning, every single morning. So given these two important root causes that are causing most of us to feel tired, brain fogged, irritable, I mean, let's be honest, when you're tired, I feel like all the things just hit the fan. It's really, really important to not only understand what's going on, but then to get real about how to solve our energy issue. Now, I invited fellow women's health expert, Dr. Carrie Jones, one of my favorite people when it comes to this conversation. She's a fellow practitioner and a fellow mitochondria nerd, and she's joining me today to connect the dots because she and I believe that when you know more about how your body works, you will take action to get your body back on track. And here is the best news is that the tools that we're going to be suggesting today, along with simple lifestyle changes, are incredibly easy and inexpensive. Thank goodness. And you can do them from home, which to me is a really big win, especially right now. Now to sweeten the pot, I want to share the perfect little bonus gift that I whipped up for you for this episode. Now, one of the things that I did or I've been doing for well over a decade to support my energy levels is green smoothies and shakes in the morning. Now, your mitochondria, who we're going to be focusing a lot on today, because honestly, if we can give them a little boost, if we can make more of them, then we get more energy. And they make cortisol, as I mentioned earlier. So the more mitochondria we have, the more cortisol we can actually create. So there's no there's no issue in that particular department because the one thing we don't want to have happen is that we don't have enough mitochondria to actually make enough cortisol so that you and I can wake up in the morning. So one of the things that mitochondria absolutely love, they love greens, they love dark berries in the form of antioxidants, they love healthy fats, and they love protein, also known as essential amino acids. And honestly, they need all of these things to function. Now, I have found that one of the perfect foods for mitochondria are green smoothies. 
Plus, your gut and your liver love green smoothies too. So I have put together, I've compiled my absolute favorite recipes in this epic little green smoothie recipe guide, and I know you're gonna love it. So here's a couple of the smoothies that you're gonna find inside of this guide. My creamy strawberry chocolate shake, my hormone loving smoothie, my vanilla cake batter shake, and my chocolate almond butter shake. So those are just four of them that you were gonna get, and they are delicious and delectable. And my favorite thing about these recipes is they only take five minutes to make because sometimes it's really all the time that we have in the morning to make a little breakfast and get out the door. Now I will have the guide, this epic green smoothie bonus guide in the show notes for episode number 240. That is the episode for today. Now that you have instant access to this incredible green smoothie recipe guide, let's dive into this incredible conversation with Dr. Carrie Jones. But first, I wanna sing her praises. Dr. Carrie Jones is an internationally recognized speaker, consultant, and educator in all things women's health and hormones, and she is currently the medical director for Precision Analytical, which is the creators of the Dutch Hormone Test, my favorite comprehensive hormone test that I think everyone should do when they really want to understand what's going on with their hormones. So let's bring Dr. Carrie Jones onto the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Carrie Jones. How are you doing today? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to talk with you again. This is fantastic. Oh, well, I could not. Girl, I was reading your Instagram post and you were talking about mitochondria, which, ooh, you want to get me on a date? I'll tell you what, woman after my own heart. Um, but not just mitochondrial health and what mitochondria does, which I think a lot of people know that they're the energy powerhouses. I call them the diva of the cells as well. Mm -hmm. because, um, but that. also they are hormone producers. And one of the hormones that they are a major producer for is cortisol, which is a mamma in the world of our body, um, one of those big universal hormones. And so what I wanted to talk about is I wanted to talk about the connection between mitochondrial function and cortisol production, but also there's a lot of nuance in there. <laughs> there's a lot going on and how these two interact or how they interact with each other, how, how the health of one could absolutely cause the health or, or disease of the other. And so what I want us to first start with before we get into all the nitty gritty, which I know some people are like, oh my gosh, Ooh, we're about to get into it. And other people are like, oh, baby, yes. <laughs> um, Science nerds unite. <laughs> exactly. I would love for you to just quickly share kind of that defining moment for you, Carrie, when you knew that you wanted to, you wanted to study hormones, you wanted to really understand the body, um, especially around these chemical messengers. So I have known for, since I was a little girl that I wanted to be in women's health. I wanted to be a women's health doctor. And honestly, once I got into naturopathic medical school, hormones what I was what I was doing, but really what I was realizing is I was having so many aha moments for me and my health. And as I was telling my non-medical friends, like, this is what's happening. This is what it means in your period. This is, this is what it means with cramps and tender breasts or mood swings or, or fertility or whatever. Everyone's like, I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't know that. Like, nobody told me that. I didn't learn that in high school. I didn't learn that in sex ed. My mom never told me. I didn't know. Why don't we know? I'm like, that's a really good question. Why don't you know? And so 
that really became my focus, like education and helping meet women where they're at and just explaining, you know, cause I feel like women, if they just, a lot of women, they knew the why behind it. If they're like, Oh, Oh, that's why. Oh. And if I switch that one thing, my cramps will get better. Like, Oh, if I do this thing, maybe my breast tenderness will improve. I'm like, yes, yes. That's, and here's why. And then it, that sort of became my driving passion when it came to figuring all of this out. And I agree with you. I think once women understand the why, because let's Mm -hmm. be honest, when you look out, you know, you see runners or you see people working out outside, it's women. You know, like (laughs) (laughs) when you see people running health of the household, making sure everyone's taking their supplements, making sure vegetables are on the table, it's women. And so absolutely true that once we understand what is going on with our bodies, we definitely take initiative. We take action based on that information. But again, most of us are left in the dark. And I know people are constantly getting their mind blown when they're learning kind of the ins and outs of what's going on with our hormones. Now, particularly one of the kind of hormone pathways that we hear a little bit about that probably tends to be a bit confusing is understanding the hypothalamic pituitary axis and understanding like here, I know this year in particular, a lot of periods are completely whacked out. A lot of hormones are completely whacked out. Maybe people are going down the wrong estrogen pathway. Progesterone has taken a hit. Like we're seeing a lot of this and lots of correlation to lifestyle, to fear, to stress. I would say if I were to ask if there was, if women could chime in right this second as they're listening to us, and I would say, has this year felt busier than previous years? Have you have you felt the busiest? I would say everyone would raise their hand up and say, oh, oh yeah, I'm Absolutely. wearing all the hats. And For sure extra hats. And then someone gave me some more hats. And so I don't want these hats, but I never wanted them. them. (laughs) I never wanted them. They don't fit me well, but here we go. (laughs) Exactly. So talk to me about this is definitely, stress is definitely existing. What's going on? How is it impacting the body? How is this process working in the body? Absolutely. So I tell women all the time, whether you're looking to get pregnant or not, I am not looking to get pregnant However, it doesn't matter as a woman, my body does the same scans, the same like, you know, top to bottom look. And so the body in a female is always judging, is it safe enough for you to have a healthy menstrual cycle and to potentially, if you wanted to get pregnant. And so stress, our diet, our exercise, travel, when we used to be able to, everything from our sleep habits to our mood, all of this stuff affects how our cycles work. And now in 2020, what you said is spot on. You nailed it. Women are like, my cycles are shorter. My cycles are longer. I don't ovulate. My PMS is worse. My every, All these symptoms are magnified what's going on. So what's happening is the body is scanning and going, oh, girl, no way. We are not having it this month. And Stranger so, danger. Yep. A hundred percent. And so it, it affects ovulation. Therefore it affects progesterone and progesterone is our calming hormone. So we lose out on calming and sleep, good sleep quality and affects our cycle length that affects, you know, when we bleed, how long we bleed, how much we bleed. And that's what it affects our hair, right? Hair is not a priority hair. We don't need hair in stranger danger. And so a lot of women are like, why is my hair falling out so much? I'm like, ah, and energy. It affects yeah. our energy so much. And so this, this is what's happening to women because the body's 
it, it, and it's not to say that it's not happening to men. It's just different. Like they're not, they don't get this, like, are like, we're the protector of the womb. And so it, we don't have to have that gatekeeper to say, Ooh, you seem maxed out this month. You are homeschooling. You are running a business. You are running a household and you are trying to keep it all together and not sleeping that well. Probably not a good month to have normal hormones. So we don't get you pregnant. Even if you don't want to get pregnant, the brain doesn't register that. Doesn't register. That's, that's not what, that's not what it's, it's focus is, is preserve fertility just in case. And so that's what's happening to women this month. It's, and I tell women, I'm like, look, it's not your fault. It's, you know, like it's, it's, it's the byproduct of this, this ridiculous year. That's, that's what's happening. And, and your body is literally trying to protect you. It is not trying to work against you. It is not trying to screw you over. It is not trying to be evil. It is literally trying to protect you because the outside world, just like you said, is stranger danger. Hmm. So 100% true. And I'm so grateful. I love the way that you put that. Like whether you're trying to get pregnant or not, your body biologically is always gauging whether your your body's viable. Like if everything, mm-hmm. if all the, the we check, 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 we're checking all the boxes to make sure everything's working properly. And a lot of different factors, and, and especially external factors, can throw all of that off. Mm-hmm. And um, and it doesn't, unfortunately, it doesn't take a lot to do that. Yeah. For, for some women, yeah, who are, I mean, definitely there are women who are like, oh, I'm sensitive to everything. I, I react to everything. And, and these little shifts in stress and sleep or my diet or, you know, weight gain, the COVID-19 gain. It affects them. It affects their hormones. One hundred percent. So now that we have a we have the landscape of kind of what's going on, why we're experiencing some of these symptoms, and what's happening in the landscape of our body, especially when our stress response system it continues to get triggered over and over and over again. Whether you're in a real stressed situation or not, it doesn't have to be a real stressful situation. It can just be a pers- a perceived situation. Yep. Busy, just like you said. There's plenty of women. I'm sure we have plenty of women friends that are like, "Well, I'm not like I'm not threatened," you know. Like lots of women are like, "My health is good," you know. I have my job or my part. My family is safe, but they're so busy. They got so much added onto their plate this year, and that busyness is is the perceived stress. The the body is like way too many hats to balance right now. Why would we give you an a normal cycle, why would we maybe, you know, like be okay with fertility right now? Absolutely. Now let's tie in, I want to just tie in cortisol really quickly into the mix um, and how this can not only affect our normal rhythms, circadian rhythms, our our reproductive rhythms, um, our cycle, but then also how it can be affecting our energy supply or how our energy supply could be impacting cortisol production. So I know that that's, we've got a lot of unpeeling to do there. <laughs> a lot of things to go over. Well, so cortisol is made in our adrenal glands and we often think of it as our stress hormone, but honestly, the number one job of cortisol, number one is blood sugar management. Yes. It is, we, it's, it's a glucose manager. And so I tell women, if you can't get your glucose balanced, you will never get your cortisol balanced and vice versa. If you can never get your stress your cortisol under control or your stress management under control, your sleep rhythms, things like that, then you're going to potentially struggle long-term with glucose management. So that's its actual number one role. But cortisol does a lot. It does help us with stress. It does, it lowers inflammation. It helps keep us alert and have energy in the, especially in the morning. It helps reduce our risk for autoimmunity. Cortisol does a lot. Now it can, it can, it like Goldilocks, like 
too much is a problem and too little is a problem. We want it just right, but it follows a rhythm. So cortisol is like the sun, whereas melatonin is like the moon. So cortisol should be up in the morning to get you going, make you nice and alert, deal with your blood sugar, lower your inflammation, get you ready for the day. And then gradually it falls, falls, falls so that you can fall asleep at night. And that's when your melatonin comes out. So we do like, and we do need cortisol, right? But if you have, if let's say, let's go that like the too much Goldilocks, if, if the bowl is too big and you have too much cortisol, then that's where you get into just what you said, that stranger danger. So you have this constant barrage attack in the brain of like things are happening. Stress is happening. There's a lot of cortisol. There's a lot of inflammation. There's blood sugar issues. And now the brain has to deal with it. And the way that it deals with it is it signals downstream to your other glands, your thyroid gland. Your, your ovaries, right? Like other glands to be like, sorry, um, I can't really deal with you effectively right now. I have to put all my focus on the, on the stress that's happening. So your thyroid may not work as well as it should and your ovaries may not work as well as it should because we, we have to, I have to be over here helping over cortisol because like there could be a tiger or there could be a bear or there could be, you know, like all sorts of really scary things and that's more important. Well, and glucose regulation is more important too. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to, we're going to value, I mean, survival over anything always. I would say it's, it's the number one core mode of operation in the body. But then also we look at, we think about metabolism and cellular metabolism and cortisol is regulating, you know, blood glucose levels or right, helping to regulate insulin. Metabolism is on the docket first and foremost too. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about all these women who they love to run, right? They like to spin. They like their bikes. They're on their Pelotons because it's their, they can't go to the gym. And as a result, in their, when their stress is heightened, when the body thinks they're constantly running from a tiger, running from a bear, and then you are actually running or spinning, you could potentially make yourself worse, especially if you're not handling your stress very well. So I have a lot of women that write me and say, you know, I've been, I spin for an hour every single day and, and... I'm noticing I'm actually gaining weight and I'm not handling stress as well. And I'm not sleeping that well. And my cycles are really kind of weird and my symptoms kind of suck. Do you think it could be related? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Or women who are like, I'm running, you know, running is my passion. I love to run. I run five to 10 miles, you know, whatever. But I'm noticing now that when I run, I feel worse and I'm, I'm getting injured and I'm not recovering and I'm hungry all the time. And I've actually gained weight instead of lost weight. And, 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 and I'm like, I know because you're already in fight or flight. Thank you, 2020. And then you literally are running. And so the body doesn't know run from enemy or run because that's your mode of self-care, your mode of stress release. So we have, I'm like, we've got to dial it back. We have to think of other exercise methods. We have to work on, you know, self-care and, you know, all the stuff that you talk about. And so that's been really surprising for a lot of women this year around cortisol, when it's too high, when, when we're in the high end of Goldilocks. Yeah. When you're already in that state and then you're, you're driving it with excess cardio and not only will you see, you know, a deregulation of cortisol, but you're going to see a deregulation of blood sugar levels. That's the thing about stress, uh, you know, especially exercise driven stress is you're going to see, you, you would think that that level of exercise would actually help to support glycolysis and, and insulin regulation, but it actually can make it worse. Right. 
Right. Yeah. And women notice it. I mean, they're, 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 they're writing the you, they're writing me. They're like, what the heck? I'm like this used to work and it's not working, it's not working anymore. this year. It's not working this year. I'm like, I know. I was just having this conversation with my mama because she loves to run mm-hmm. and, but she, her hemoglobin A1C was high. And I was like, you know, we've got to start looking at resistance training. We've got to start looking at weight training. We need those muscles mm-hmm. to sop up all that glucose. Cause right now that's not happening. Yep. And in my pregnancy, as I'm approaching 33 weeks right now, that's the only thing I'm doing <laughs> is just <Yeah>. lifting weights. <laughs> yeah. No gestational diabetes for this 41-year-old, yes. let me tell you. Yes. And I was listening to um, a podcast by Mike Mutzel, and he was presenting the studies of how our legs, our leg muscles our booty, our thighs, our legs are what um, the, the long, the, the leaner and stronger, and the more that we have of them, the less likely we, we are to develop diabetes, pre-diabetes, yeah. have insulin resistance. So he's like, do not forget about leg day. Do not forget about that booty. Use use weights. Do resistance training because that will really, really help. Just like you said, sop up the glucose, sop up the sugar, and pull it into the muscle to essentially get burned. And that's what we want, especially Mm, right now. Yeah. Once it's in the muscle, it ain't going nowhere. Mm -hmm. It's not getting released, Mm -hmm. you know, but if it's in the liver, you know, we just, we, that's, that's the thing. And so I think the the critical thing, especially if women are over or doing over cardio, especially I'm looking at my Peloton right now, which is actually (laughs) gathering dust because I'm I'm doing like 10 minute bouts because really where I should be focusing my efforts is building that muscle. Yeah. And, you know, and if I've got my little 20, my little 20 minute pregnancy workout, that's going to be the thing that I'm doing. But yeah, I mean, we've been told cardio, 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 but most of us are so fried that it's actually causing major issues. And I've experienced that. I cannot tell you where I would, I would do orange theory mm. and orange theory mm-hmm. is half cardio. And then the other half is, let's be honest, it's pretty much cardio too. And right. I would come out of these classes and the rest of my day, I was complete toast. I was just flatlined. Um, and I was like, okay, I know what's going on. I'm literally, I'm just taking that stress to the next level. And it, and frustrates, anyway. women. And it frustrates women because it maybe used to work, right? Like it, they'll be like, well, in 2019, I could do this or six months ago, I could do this. I don't understand what, what changed. And I'm like, well, it's, I, it's, it's, it's all the physiologic of stress that has changed. It's the phys- it's the cortisol with the glucose, with the insulin, that has changed lately. And, and as a result, you got to shift with it. You have to shift with it in the type of exercise that you do and how we manage stress. Otherwise you'll end up like the too low Goldilocks. You'll have not enough cortisol. I was going to say, let's tired. go into the, yeah. So we had the big bowl, right? We were, yeah, and now, <laughs> now we got a small bowl. <laughs> now you have a way too small bowl. Yeah. So, so what can happen? So two things can happen. One is we have what's called a negative feedback loop. So high cortisol over time comes, attacks the brain, like I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. And the brain's like, okay, fine, this is enough. We're going to cut it. And so it slows the signal down and we gradually make less cortisol. It doesn't go to zero. I mean, unless you have, there's an autoimmune condition called Addison's, but just for the normal average person who doesn't have that. So our cortisol maybe used to be high a couple months ago and now it's hedging lower, lower, lower. So we're losing that signal to make it. But the other thing that can happen is that we lose the ability to make it effectively in our mitochondria, which is what we said in the beginning. So our mitochondria, we all learned in high school, is our our cellular powerhouses of our cell. They literally make the energy. They make the ATP. But also in your mitochondria, because they multitask like crazy, 
they also, they're the first and last step to cortisol production. So you, you have a step for the science nerds out there, you have this thing called a star protein and star binds to cholesterol and converts into something called pregnenolone. Then it leaves, it leaves the mitochondria and enters into your endoplasmic reticulum. Again, something you probably learned about in high school and totally forgot about. Then in the endoplasmic reticulum, it turns into something else and comes back into the mitochondria, becomes cortisol and goes out in circulation. So what I say all the time is cortisol production starts and ends in the mitochondria. So if you don't have healthy mitochondria, you're going to struggle to make cortisol. You're going to have low cortisol, which often is low energy, right? Low energy, low motivation, feeling blah, feeling burnt out, feeling so tired, feeling tough to recover, struggling with your blood sugar, struggling with so many things because you don't have a healthy amount, a normal amount of cortisol in your body. So we've got two things going on here with the smaller bowl. One... You've got cortisol yelling at the brain, stranger danger, stranger danger, just constantly bombarding the brain with messages. And the brain's like, enough is enough. We're shutting, the, we're shutting production. It's like an irritated mom, right? Yeah. And it's, it's like, like stop it. Nope. I'm taking that away from you. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we know that actually lowered cortisol is really a stopgap because mm-hmm. the, the body's trying to protect itself. Yes. It's saying, hey, this whole stress situation, it's affecting everything. And we gotta, we gotta slow this down. You know, mm-hmm. you've been crying wolf way too long. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, most likely due to stress and other factors, mitochondria could be also getting damaged or could decide that they need to hibernate. They're like, listen, this has gotten really dangerous. I don't know what's going on out there in the body, but I don't like it. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm going to shut down, hibernate for a little while. Let me know when this COVID thing goes away. Right. Um, <laughs> text me. Text me when you're they, done. <laughs> yeah, holler at me. And then they, they stop doing their multi, which is a, a crazy amount of jobs. Yeah. It's, it's like the magnesium of inside the cell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they stop making, they stop playing a role in the beginning and the ending of cortisol production. So we've got two different, one, the production of cortisol could be compromised. And also two, we may just be having to shut it down a little bit. Right. And right. that can feel, we could, we feel that too. Absolutely. And even with the mitochondria, because, you know, and I'm sure people ask you, they ask me like, well, what, what can I take, right? What can I yes. take from mitochondria? Is there a magic supplement? And I say to women all the time, I swear, I promise if I had a magic supplement, oh my gosh, I would just give it to you. I would, I would give I it would, to like, everybody. Oprah, I would be like, you get the magic supplement and you get, I would put it in the water. I would give it to everyone because balanced, healthy women like make the world go round. So, I mean, literally, so I don't have, I don't have a magic supplement. Happy, happy mitochondria equals happy women. Right, exactly. And so I tell people there's a lot of things that affect the mitochondria. For example, the mitochondria don't like chemicals. So they don't like, they don't like plastics. They don't like fragrance. They don't like fake. They don't like, they don't like nail polish. Glyphosate. They don't like, exactly. Like they don't like chemicals because they, they're fragile and they can die easily. So the more you can read ingredients, the more you can transform what you put on your body, what you put in your body, what you clean your house with, what you use in your hobbies, you know, what you, what your air filter in your house, like the more the air water filter in your water, the more you can do that, the happier mitochondria are. The second biggest thing your mitochondria really like is exercise. Your mitochondria like movement. So going back to the weights and the resistance training, your mitochondria do really like that. Now you don't have to be like an all out 
gym rat, but even just, you know, just 20 minutes, you know, three, four days a week to get going, you know, can really make a big difference. Your mitochondria really like oxygen. Oxygen, what you think? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm breathing right now, Gary, like it's not, I'm a human. <laughs> yes, except I read this really interesting quote that said forward head posture. So when you look down at your phone, all your computer all day long, cuts your oxygen by about 30% up to your brain. So if you're listening to this and you're looking down, pull your shoulders down, pull your chin back and be really cognizant of your posture. And then be cognizant if you snore at night, if you're a mouth breather, if you have sleep apnea, all of this affects oxygenation. If you're anemic, iron and oxygen and mitochondria are all, they all go together. And so even though I know you breathe because you're human and you're alive, any, like a dip in oxygen, a decrease in, the, in, in our ability to get regular quality oxygen in, so to speak, can really affect the mitochondria. Other helpful things, cold. Your mitochondria like cold. So end your showers in cold water. Do 30 seconds of cold at the end. Wash your face in cold water. If you are brave, do cold plunges. You know, jump in a, in a tub, in a, in a pool, in a lake, in a river, and get some cold exposure here and there. And then your mitochondria really like red. It likes red light. It likes a near-infrared. So it likes red and near-infrared. So some people... It's sunlight. Some people, because sunlight's full spectrum, some people actually have red light machines. You know, they went and bought a some, you know, a, a, some sort of light that is red or near infrared light in it, and it's specifically for mitochondria. And so, and these are simple things. Like, oh, you know what? I can be very aware of my posture. That's free. I can end my shower in cold water. That's free, right? Like, I can I can look at chemicals and I can like just make some swaps. I'm paying for it anyway. I might as well just swap to the better version. So the, it doesn't have to be really huge, expensive and complicated. You know, it can be pretty straightforward and easy, which is what I love about the mitochondria. I think really what it comes down to is consistency. Yes. It's about daily, yes. daily. And I know that they do well, what they really do appreciate um, having great circadian rhythms. They do yes. not like blue light at night. Yes. They like they like the sunlight. They love to be out in nature, but they want you to shut it down, you know, before going to a while before going to bed. And how many people don't? We call it the entrepreneur or the mom pattern. So you put the kids down and then you get it's your time, it's your time, it's your second wind. It's you've got that space to now you can answer emails, you can pay bills, you're texting, you're on social media, you're watching that, you're finishing that show on your bright TV or your bright computer. And then all that bright light, that blue light, like you said, the brain goes, oh, blue light. Well, then I guess, I guess we're not going to bed if, if it's blue light, because blue's day is in versus dim or red is, is more for the nighttime. And so it, it can trick your brain into thinking you should stay up. And so now you can't fall asleep as fast as you would like to, or you wake up often. And then that throws off your whole rhythm. And then the whole cycle starts over the next day. Exactly. Yeah, no, and then and and then it just continues to get disrupted depending on what you've got going on. Yeah. Also, in terms of near infrared, and I could be wrong on this, are saunas beneficial for for mitochondria? I thought hot and cold it can be good stressors for them, but I wasn't sure. 
Hot and cold can be are really good stressors. Uh, good stress. When we say stress, stress we mean sorry. like growth, growth stress. I know we've been talking about other stress. I'm so yeah, we're talking now about yes. ways to stress the mind. Mitochondria love to be stressed, but in good ways. Yes, makes them resilient. Like right, what doesn't kill you makes you tougher. So a little bit of hot and cold, and they're like, I can survive this. Watch me. And then that that's what we mean. And then so near infrared. So if you have a sauna that has near infrared, but you have to be close to it. That's the thing. Okay. So near infrared penetrates. I think if I remember correctly, up to about two inches. So what as I tell people, if you're sitting in your sauna and you're kicked back here and you're, all your lights are you know, way up there, then you're probably not going to get that near infrared effect. If you, you, you do kind of have to be up by that near infrared. I believe it's like within six inches for it to have an effect to penetrate, which is what we're going for. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to clear the air for those who are wondering if, if heat could help as well. And then I know that mitochondria love nature. Yes. Grounding, right? Grounding and, and oceans and, and rivers and streams and trees. Again, right? It's oxygenation, no chemicals. You know, that's, it's rhythm. Like that's what nature's doing. So give the mitochondria what they want. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about Goldilocks. You know, they really did. It's really that sweet spot. Okay. So there's no magic mitochondrial, mitochondria unicorn pill out there. There's no pill. There are like cofactors. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some cofactors, just about what we, and clearly mitochondria don't like junk food. They They don't like like excess sugar. Mm -mm. Makes them very sluggish. So just a heads up, if you're wondering if mitochondria loved processed food, it's a hell no. (laughs) (laughs) As if we had to say it, but just in case, (laughs) just in case. Yes. So there are definite cofactors for the mitochondria. A big one most everyone's probably familiar with is CoQ10, coenzyme Q10. That is a big cofactor for making your ATP. It's used and shuttled. And actually red light is part of that process too, believe it or not. And so CoQ10 can be helpful. And for some people, they're on statin medications for cholesterol. And it's been shown that the statin medications do lower and affect your CoQ10 and your mitochondria can actually be toxic to your mitochondria, which is why a lot of healthcare practitioners, or maybe if you're on a statin medication and you read your handout, the pharmacist gives you, it will often say to consider including a a CoQ10. But even if you're not on statins, CoQ10 um, is a powerful antioxidant and helpful for the mitochondria. Another helpful one that um, if we just like pick sort of my top two really is a type of vitamin B12 called adenosyl B12, something A. So everyone's familiar with methyl B12. Everyone knows, oh, I take methyl B12 because I have MTHFR or whatever. It's in my multivitamins and my prenatal. But the A version, adenosyl B12, is actually the preferred form of B12 that goes into what we call the Krebs cycle in the mitochondria. So when it comes to energy, while methyl is great for methylation, (laughs) for part of detoxification, the adenosyl is the mitochondrial support, so energy production, hormone production, things like that. You can take both. I have people that say, well, my B12 mix has both in it. Totally fine. That's okay. They're water-soluble. So I like adenosyl for more mitochondrial energy support. I was thinking also alpha-lipoic acid. I don't know if that's on your yep, cofactor it list. Is. There's, I have a whole... So it's alpha-lipoic acid, L-carnitine, manganese, iron. So again, those of you who are low iron, iron deficient, iron anemic, that'll affect your mitochondria. Even things like curcumin can help the mitochondria. Turmeric, right? Turmeric can help the mitochondria. Sveratrol can help the mitochondria selenium, copper, copper is important for the mitochondria. 
there are a lot of definitely a lot of like sort of mitochondrial supportive nutrients. Some just get more fame, more write ups than others. Yeah, absolutely. That makes most a lot of sense. And clearly, I know that there are mitochondrial supplements, but really just be focusing on kind of getting those direct nutrients ones that you mentioned. Yeah. And, and just be careful. Like some, I, you know, I, I hate when women just run out and take iron. I hate when women just run out and take copper and I'm like, Ooh, you can overdose on those things and, and it can be problematic. And so you, you want to be really careful with just randomly going online or to your store and buying stuff. Well, I'm grateful that you mentioned breath because I think a lot of us know that we're not breathing super well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and especially when we get stressed, we breathe yes. in our upper chest, right? Yeah. And we forget like to a little do box. Deep breath. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so definitely breath, like just a 30, 30 seconds, 60 seconds on the hour of taking some deep belly breaths. Not only will it help reduce stress levels, but also help to get really good oxygen to the body, to the mitochondria. If you want to make ATP, you got to have it. And, you know, I think sometimes we don't realize that the, the purpose of the cardiovascular system and the respiratory system is literally to get oxygen to the mitochondria. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. those systems were created only to get, well, predominantly to get oxygen to our mitochondria. That's how important that's it is. That's how important it is. And in the in the cardiovascular system, our is our is our circulation. And I remind people that's how your hormones drive around, right? Like you think of your highway or your, like the streets in your neighborhood, and you know the main highways through the United States. Like that's literally what your uh, arterial system, your 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 arteries, your your capillaries, like the big ones, the little ones. Like that's where your hormones and all your nutrients and everything. That's how they drive around. So if you have tight muscles, you know, joints out, you're shrugging your shoulders and you're using your shoulders as earrings, you know, and your head's bent forward, you're going to lose or diminish the the flow from the brain up and down. You're going to diminish, you know, healthy oxygenation and it's going to affect hormones. And so I just, you know, remind people, if, you know, get, get, maybe get some body work, maybe see a chiropractor, maybe get some acupuncture, maybe, you know, do some foam rolling on your own, maybe get some lymphatic movement happening. The more movement you've got in your body, things can just drive around easier and it won't be a clogged up street. So, so true. So, so true. I so appreciate that, that little, again, and, and that consistency, mm-hmm. like consistently get tuned up, consistently yeah. <laughs> stretch and roll and breathe, you mm-hmm. know, roll the foam roller so that your body, I mean, movement is life. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right when it comes to chemical messengers and nutrients, they've got to move through the circulatory system to get where they need to go. And there's a lot of cells to get to. <laughs> That's the truth. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like Santa, right? Delivering presents all over the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a lot. 24 <laughs> seven, no mm-hmm. breaks. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we've, we've painted the picture for another big reason why mitochondria are so, so critical, right? The One of the most critical hormones in the body, cortisol. And if we don't have enough mitochondria, and, and this was a, a stat that someone I was interviewing, Ari Witten, couple days ago and we just, it's all we talk about. I'm like, it's the only thing we talk about. We only talk about mitochondria. Love it. <laughs> and, um, and he said there was a research article and I can't quote exactly what journal it was, but that between the ages of 25 and 40, we drop about 40% of our mitochondria reserve. I would believe it. I would believe it. And I would imagine, and um, actually it might've been Ari who said it, 
a while ago, you know, between 25 and 40, think about it. Like a lot of people are like getting a job and they're becoming more sedentary and they're like transitioning into a real, real adulthood, (laughs) you know, like their diets are shifting and their stress is getting bigger. They've got more bills. They're, they're, you know, it's, it's all the things that kind of affect our mitochondria are really kind of happening to us men and women in that age range. And so we go from young and, and, and active and moving and, you know, sort of robust into, big girls and big boys who have to sit at a desk and, you know, don't eat like we used to. We don't move like we used to. And I get the sun like we used to. And that really affects us. Mm, it's so true. And then he said, by age 60, we lose another quarter. Oh, yeah. Ooh, and I was like, no wonder we're all feeling so tired. Mm-hmm. No wonder we, we're, we're barely getting by. You, you talked about lack of motivation, right? You just like, it starts to add up. And if you don't have the energy You know, I ask women all the time, you know, if, you know, if we could, if I had a magic wand or I had Aladdin's lamp Mm -hmm. and in the next 30 days, you could have, you know, health wise, you could have whatever you wanted. What would that be? And I would say 98% of the women that I'm surveying at any given time is always more energy. Mm -hmm. Where can I get more energy? Yeah. So now that we know that it's tied to mitochondrial health, and I hope, I'm hoping people are just, they're connecting the dots (laughs) all around here. Can we test for our, how can we know? I mean, yes, we should just assume our mitochondria needs a little bit of help mm-hmm. all the time. I think that's a great assumption. Like whatever you can do to support your mitochondria, it's only going to work in your favor. And the more consistent you can be about loving up on your mitochondria, the more the more favorable it's going to be for you in terms of longevity. But is there a way if we really wanted to know we're feeling pretty chronically fatigued, we're really hitting the ground to test what's going on with our mitochondrial health. So with like directly testing mitochondrial health, there's no like, ab- there's no take this test and, and I can tell you like, yes, you're abundant or, you know, no, you have no mitochondrial health. So what we have to do, unfortunately, is what we have to do is like test the markers around it. So we can test some of those Krebs cycle markers and we can test cortisol. We can look and see what, how much cortisol you're producing and how much is free. We can look at your actual hormones because your progesterone, your estrogen, your testosterone, it does start in the mitochondria. It finishes in the endoplasmic reticulum, but it starts in the mitochondria. So if you're, if you're a woman and you're like, man, I really struggle with progesterone, it's possible your mitochondria in those cells that make progesterone, your lutein cells just aren't great. And therefore you're not making progesterone. And we can test that. We can test progesterone. And then we take a lot of symptoms into account because we know what, you know, sort of sick, unhealthy mitochondria lead to feeling sort of sick, unhealthy, and tired. And so that's how we look at mitochondria. But I think at the end of the day, it's so, so critical for us as women to really understand what's going on with our hormones across Mm -hmm. the board, seeing how they're interacting, seeing what's going on with the pathways. On the show, I talk about the Dutch test all the time. I talk about me using the Dutch test all the time. And again, it's it's giving us kind of a broader picture as to what is going on inside of the body. And if our mitochondria are so intimately involved in hormone production, you're absolutely right. We can get a sense of things. If things are hitting the fan within our hormones, we probably know they're hitting the fan with our mitochondria too. Absolutely. And even on the Dutch test, we look at that B12 marker, that methylmalonic acid, which is an indirect marker for the adenosyl B12. So not only can I go... Your cortisol is really low, but ooh, you also struggle to make use or have or absorb or something this B12 of the mitochondria. So let's figure that out too. Hmm. I love that. Okay, so we've got, I feel like we've wrapped this up in a perfect <laughs> little bow. 
We have some lifestyle recommendations that we can dive into. We kind of know what to be looking out for when we start to feel that burnout. We start to maybe feel like our hormones are on the fritz. But then if we want to really, really, really know what's going on, I always love this, you know, Oprah says, know your numbers. And I think there's no better way to really know your numbers than with a Dutch test. How can we get that set up? How can we order that? I know you've got some, some, maybe even maybe you got a discount for us today. I don't know. I, we, uh, I, I, I absolutely we can do a discount. <laughs> so I'll tell you first. So if you go to the website, which is dutchtest.com, now let me clarify, Dutch is an acronym. It's, it's, we're not a Dutch company. We don't test to make sure you have Dutch heritage. It stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. So it is, you basically urinate on these little filter papers and, you know, let them dry and mail it back. And that's where the name come from. So it's dutchtest.com. We offer the tests that look at all the cortisol, like we talked about, plus all the hormones, progesterone and estrogen, where estrogen is going, estrogen detoxification, testosterone, where testosterone is going, that B12 marker I talked about, melatonin. Since we talked about melatonin, all of that, you can order directly on the Dutch test. And then we have a coupon code that you guys can, when you order what's called a Dutch complete or a Dutch plus, if you enter in on checkout, essentially 50, then you'll get $50 off one of those two tests. Perfect. And I have a little, and a little code Dutch 50. Does it matter? Oh, it was a Dutch 50. I thought mm-hmm. it was essentially, that's my fault. <laughs> Either code will work. Either code will work. I will have the code, the code that I've got. (laughs) And I will put it in the show notes so everyone has it. I know I talk about this all the time. The other thing, and I know that you you pretty much articulated that, but this is an at-home test, which makes it really incredible. The instructions are very, very clear. You can always go to dutchtest.com to look at that all that stuff as well, the instructions to make sure that you're doing it appropriately. And then Dr. Carrie Jones, where can we find you? Because girl, <laughs> you are breaking it down. I, you really yes. are true to your word in terms of educating us. I hang out and live on Instagram. That's probably my favorite. So I'm at dr.carriejones.com. And then I'm the medical director for Dutch Test. So I'm like all podcasts, including this one, are housed on the Dutch Test website for free. All our videos are up there for free that you can, everyone can watch, listen, and learn. Hmm. Thank you so much for this, to me, a very yummy conversation. I'm so happy to have you on and for breaking it down for us, especially during a time where I know a lot of us are wondering what is going on with our bodies. We don't really understand. Um, mm-hmm. And you really just kind of put it all together for us. And then I love that the the way in which that we can start to make simple changes every single day inside of our homes, yes. which a lot of us are spending a lot of time in still. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I just feel so honored being invited on and love seeing your face. And just thank you. Thank you, my dear. See you soon. Thank you. Okay, bye. So... Did you love learning about the two big root causes for feeling tired? I know I did. And here's why. When I understand what's actually going on in my body, I can make an action plan. I can then begin to focus on the things that will help to restore my energy. And many, many years ago, when I was suffering with chronic fatigue and all a doctor had for me was Xanax and birth control pills, I knew I needed to understand what was really going on. Because mitochondria are the divas of the cell. 
Loving up on them is the best solution for more sustainable energy for years to come. Yes, they are needy and yes, they are high maintenance, but at least we know we can do something about their health and overall well-being so that we can upgrade our energy levels. We can also do something about cortisol too. From meditation to walking outside to using supplements, nutrition, and essential oils, we can optimize our cortisol levels so that we wake up feeling alert and refreshed. Now, if you want double support, I do recommend the green smoothie guide that I was talking to you about earlier. Not only are they supporting your mitochondria, but they're supporting cortisol levels at the same time. These smoothies are designed to give you the biggest bang for your buck, and they are so easy to make as well. Plus, they're delicious. I promise I would never put a green smoothie or shake recipe in a guide that did not taste absolutely incredible. Now, if you want an even deeper dive into understanding your hormone pathways and what they're doing, and you really want to take a look at cortisol, I do highly recommend ordering a Dutch test. It is literally the gold standard when it comes to actually understanding what's going on with your hormones. I personally run a Dutch test two to three times a year to check in on what I can do to support my body. Because again, when I know what's going on, I can create that plan. Now, as Dr. Carrie Jones mentioned, The Dutch is the starting place to really begin to understand those pathways that are impacting energy levels, mood, digestion. I mean, over like all the things, reproduction. There's so many areas that our hormones are communicating with. And if they're not created or not balanced correctly, we can start to see some disruption in what's going on with our bodies. So that's the place to know where to start. And to me, knowing is half the battle. So if you're interested in checking out the Dutch test or running a Dutch test at home, Carrie did include a really awesome coupon code for today. It's $50 off the Dutch Complete or the Dutch Plus test. Personally, I always run the Dutch Complete, so I highly recommend it. It gives you everything you need. The coupon code is going to be DUTCH50, and I will have the link also in the show notes for episode 240. Or you can go to the website, drmarisa.com slash podcast, find episode 240, and you'll see it inside the show notes there. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. On this next episode, I recognize that we are getting very laser focused on our immune system again. So in these last several months, I have done so much research trying to figure out what are the most critical nutrients, the most critical supplements, vitamins, minerals, to ensure that our immune systems are running at peak capacity. So I plan on sharing the five most critical nutrients and supplements for your immune system, which honestly, I think we should be using all the time, but especially as we enter cold and flu season. Until then, have an amazing day, and I hope that you integrate some of these practices today that we talked about for boosting mitochondria, whether it's a green smoothie, whether it's a walk out in nature, whether it's ending a shower with some cold water, whatever it is, getting where you fit in, and I hope that you start to see some amazing energy improvements throughout your day. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.